most intense, thrilling, electrifying sport on the planet. Mixed Martial Arts. You've been looking for the definitive podcast to call your new home to hear everything about it. The search is over. This is the MMA Nolly Show. No filter. Bringing you the hottest MMA breakdowns straight from the heart of the octagon. This show is all about MMA breakdowns for fans by fans. We're talking UFC, MMA, and the occasional big boxing match. We'll bring our unique take on how these fights are going to play out and who we think are the best bets. Welcome to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. And now your hosts, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and Emiliano, a.k.a. Jive Turkey Nano. What is up, Fight Fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. I'm your host, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly. And with me, as usual, is the co-host with the most, Jeff Turkey Nano. How we doing, brother? Oh, we doing great, man. It's a big week. We got another good week of fantasy football. We got uh, basketball season starting up. We got playoff baseball going on right now. We had an amazing UFC 294. My goodness, man. So much, so much good vibes, baby. Baby, I'm excited. It's all hail. Let's go, baby. Super excited. Super excited for you. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, I feel like just edging closer and closer to the excitement for you, for sure. Um, and on top of that, I mean, one hell of a fight card we just went through. Uh, not without its drama, not without its uh, circus-like moments, for lack of better words. Uh, but man, there were some absolute bangers on this card, and I can't wait to break them down with you. So with that being said... Um, we are going to go ahead and just jump right into the fray here. Uh, the Gen Yu fray, that is. Jumping into the bottom of the card, Gen Yu fray versus Victoria Dudakova, uh, who came into this fight with staff um, all across her butt and her nether regions, apparently. Uh, she lied to the medical team to make it through into the fights and uh, basically put every other fighter on this UFC fight card at risk uh, with a nasty ass. Uh, that's nasty. <laughs> that's nasty. Um, so when it comes to Victoria Dudikova, I did predict this. I thought Jen Frey was, uh, you know, live to bet against as much as I hate to say it. She's almost at that point where she's got 50, 50 win loss ratio. She's got 11 wins and 10 losses. Uh, one more. And I mean, come on, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's rough right now. Meanwhile, standing across from her was Victoria Dudikova, who was coming in at seven and oh, now walking away from that bout at eight and oh, she looked Stunning in that fight. Uh, 109 strikes landed to 65. She dominated the pace, dictated the, the pace of the fight, and honestly, she found her range very early in the fight, and she made Jin Frey work for every single strike that she landed. Um, I thought it was fairly one-way traffic. The numbers actually make it look better in Jin Frey's defense, but uh, again, I, I thought it was fairly one-way traffic. Um, pretty one-sided win for Victoria Dudikova. Yeah, brother, I'd have to agree with you. Uh, great performance. Interesting comments after, like you said, a great way to kick off some of the whirlwind uh, fiascos that we had during this UFC 294. Uh, never a dull moment in this sport, which you got to love. But yeah, uh, definitely one-way traffic. Definitely looked to be the younger, sharper, more agile, just quicker. Was owning all the exchanges. Like you said, some of the 
uh, statistics here might be a bit misleading when you look at maybe some of the control time or the fact that Jennifer was able to take her down, which might have edged her out in one of those rounds to make it 29-28 unanimously. Uh, but I do agree with you, brother. I mean, it was a good performance by Victoria, undefeated, still young, still learning maybe the some PR uh, moves and maybe even just being up front of, of what's going on. I mean, for the safety of yourself, other fighters, you know, I know she's only 24 and let's you know, chalk it up to just being a little naive and, and young, maybe a little reckless, but um, overall a great performance and hey, another name in the starweight division here that we can certainly be chatting about here, hopefully to see uh, uh, sooner rather than later, but certainly for years to come. I don't know if you have anybody top of mind, brother. Nobody top of mind. I, I don't, I don't think we should really play matchmaker for her. If anything, um, as stunning of a performance as this is very selfish performance the fact that she came into the the post-fight presser right away and said that she had staph infection she knew she came into the fight with staph infection has had it for the last month to the point to where she hasn't even been able to grapple like that's gross bro like you shouldn't be fighting that's highly contagious staphylococcal disease or uh staphylococcus bacteria it's just dude just gross take care of yourself and postpone the fight push it back it's not like they're going to cut you they might now because you you made the ufc look bad i was gonna say yeah and yeah then kind of ran yourself out i mean definitely not doing yourself any favors but at a minimum not being honest not being upfront. i mean if you need them if you need the money that's one thing maybe you still express that but still that's not the not, not the best way to do it Definitely not the best way to start off the card. Um, moving into the next fight, we had Nathaniel Carved of Wood, um, as his nickname should be, coming in against Muhammad Naimov. Man, this was uh, this was an interesting fight, in my opinion. I thought Naimov, again, looking at the numbers, it doesn't feel like the same fight that I watched. Because I thought that it was razor thin. I thought that um, I, I could have seen it going either way, if I'm being honest with you. And that's not the bias in me being a Nathaniel Wood fan. I actually like Muhammad as well. I think Naimov is a, a name that could be a household name in the coming years. But um, I thought that fight was a bit closer than it looks on the numbers. Uh, and I think that's simply because the total strikes landed, right? It does skew things a bit. 30 more strikes landed for Naimov, but two less significant strikes landed overall for Naimov. So, again, the proof's in the pudding there. Um, if we're talking about damaging and damage output, the young man that I thought was out there obviously trying to do more damage was Nathaniel Wood. And also, call me crazy, um, I'm kind of a stickler for this kind of shit, especially after the you know the Dustin Poirier versus Charlie Olives fight, which we're not going to go into that cheating. But there were some glove grabs in there, if I'm not mistaken, man. I saw Naimov just finger finger fucking the gloves a little bit um and i, th- I think nathaniel actually tried to call it out but the ref just, just like fight on so i don't know man these these fouls are getting out of control in my opinion there's there was a lot of them on saturday night i think everybody knows that at this point um but if you don't you will learn about the fouls that happened on saturday night across the next hour or so of your life Good call out, brother. Good call out. And yeah, um, good, good breakdown of the fight. It did feel, although the numbers might be maybe a little skewed or, you know, you can maybe make a case that Nathaniel carved out a wood, uh, had a good chance of winning that fight. And I was certainly ruined for him, but it did ultimately feel like uh, just using just my 
my blatant eye using, you know, the casualness in me, just seeing it, it just felt like Muhammad was the stronger fighter here. I think going in, I was worried about his power, obviously starts in Jamie Malarkey in his last outing, you know, this dude has lead in his hands. So Nathaniel was definitely what felt to be maybe a little more gun shy through, you know, a third less of the punches that Muhammad did. And the big thing here was they both attempted, I mean, Nathaniel was two for seven out of takedowns while Muhammad was able to land four out of his nine uh, and able to get six, almost seven minutes of control time, which again, it just felt like on those exchanges, getting up against the fence, um, grappling, the chain wrestling, it just felt like Muhammad had more tools in the arsenal, just felt a little bit stronger um, and might have exposed our boy Nathaniel Wood a little bit here, unfortunately. Um, but this guy's legit, man. Find out at Tajikistan. Uh, a couple impressive victories. One already by knockout here. He's got the highlight reel. Um, curious to see what's next for him. I mean, the sky's the limit, though. So, got kids certainly talented at 29 years young. So we'll be hearing more of him as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I don't think that they should rush him into the top 15 right away. I think Nathaniel Wood was a pretty good test for him uh, right out the gates. And I mean, I mean, again, Nathaniel Wood is a, a very game prospect. That's probably why they call him Nathaniel the prospect Wood. Uh, but. Naimov just had his number, man. Uh, he did look really good out there. He looked really strong. I'd like to see what he can do against a more um, polished striker that has a bit of anti-grappling uh, because his grappling did look solid. Uh, but again, would like to see what happens on the feet when there's somebody that can really, really throw. Throw them hands. Throw that lead. Uh, so moving into the next one. This next one was a bit of a crazy fight because it, it almost felt like this man was doing everything he could to just make America look fantastic. Uh, because, you know, Charlie Olives pulled out with a cut on his eyebrow. This guy walked out with his eyebrow hanging off. Um, very obviously hiding a cut um, from the commission. And I don't know I don't know who did the medicals this week, guys, but there were some discrepancies, okay? Um, a couple people, handful of people, Mike Breeden included, uh, fought with staph infection. Interesting. Bold choice. Um, oh, geez. There were three people that admitted to having staph infection in the post-fight presser on this card. Um, so good luck with that, folks. Um, hopefully the win bonuses help. But Mike Breeden went out there against Anshul Jubilee. Anshul Jubilee, the second signed UFC fighter from India. Man looked incredible. He was out there throwing absolute hands at this young man. Um he was having a great time up until round three when um, I'll be honest with you. I don't even know what was said um, from the cornerman to Mike Breeden, but I can only assume that no words were spoken and that he pulled out a 1990s Sony disc man and just put on a DMX album for this young man because he turned into a dog. The guy came out there, started yelling USA and barking. He was literally going USA. Hoo, 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 hoo. And throwing shots like I would say, wow, he was doing his best Nick Diaz impression. But man made Nick Diaz look extremely sane and logical and very normal in there. Um, Mike Breeden, folks, if you don't know, now you know. Uh, he came out here and, and again, I'm sure Jubilee probably still had the skills and the cardio, the gas tank, the strength, the speed, the dexterity, all the other adjectives you could use to describe a fighter's anything. Anshul Jubilee probably fucking had it in spades to finish the fight and, and win the fight, continue coasting to a unanimous decision victory. But what happened? 
Well, I'll tell you what happened. When a grown man comes out there that you've been whooping ass on for 10 minutes and starts barking at you and yelling USA, it's a bit intimidating. And Unshul Jubilee genuinely looked like he was scared. He cracked under the pressure and he cracked under them hands. Uh, he ended up getting the finish in three minutes of round three. Uh, I do know one thing his coach said. His coach told him, you can finish him. Now go out there and do it. Uh, and I'll be goddamn that boy went out there and did it. My goodness, in in uh, ecstatic fashion, right? And like you mentioned, he uh, Tiger got out the cage. The dog was on the loose, and you, you know what happens, brother? It's the it's the uh, it's the time is old uh, tale, man. That if you don't take care of that wounded dog, man, that junkyard dog is gonna find a way. He's gonna bite you in the ass. Okay, you don't get rid of him early, man. He's gonna come back and he's gonna find a way to dig deep. Uh, a junkyard dog, man, an absolute savage, a dog that was left for dead a dog that was forgotten about a dog that really showed out again when his back was against the wall when he was missing a a a limb and man i mean his future was was on the on the brink of not being in the ufc i mean coming in with three losses losing two straight rounds i mean he i don't know what he saw uh or unfortunately why anshul just was not able to put him away you know, to get him on the ground or to switch it up or anything, man. But it just felt like nobody in the entire octagon and on the entire UFC roster was going to be able to get rid of Mike Breeden, this dog. I mean, I, if my, my new uh, book's going to come out, volume two, he's going to be on the cover, man. X going to give it to you. DMX style, man. He was straight barking in there. It was, it was great to see. I mean, one of the most crazy performances I've seen in a long time. One of the most... I mean, you could say one-sided comebacks or just lopsided victory that, yeah, it was a victory until it wasn't. I mean, man, what a what a comeback victory from Mike Breeden here. Absolute dog. Absolute dog. A dog of a man. Um, yeah, man. Just absolutely incredible performance from Mike Breeden. I, th- I thought he was done. I thought he was done going into the corner in between the second and third round, but boy, he proved me wrong. And then um, speaking of just turn crazy turn of events, Javid Bashrat coming in and not only uh, annihilating a young man's ball sack, but then turning, turning heel and just embracing the villain role, basically saying that he won that fight. I mean, he's lucky it wasn't a fucking DQ, bro. Um, Mans was crying on the ground, and we're talking about a dog in Victor Henry. Um, man, he was a dog without bones on Saturday. He, he got them bones broken. Uh, and by bones, we're, we're talking about the, 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 the three unit in between the legs there. You know what I'm saying? You got the whole family. Um, it was a nasty kick. I could show the replay, but I don't want to get, uh, you know, a strike on the channel here but if you want to go go and watch it watch the slow-mo where people were saying it hit the inside of the leg yes you're correct it did hit the inside of the leg after it firmly visibly and audibly volume up if you go watch the clip folks you can hear the man's foot bone bounce off of homie's cup it's a very distinctive sound it's a very disgusting sound and if you've trained it is a very nauseating sound and you can hear it plain as day. And he hits the cup so hard that his foot ricochets off and then hits the original intended target. 
excuse me, but with all due respect, you can go fuck yourself, Doc. Um, the doctor literally had the audacity to come in there, lean over to the young man who is crying, whose current children and future unborn children are screaming in sorrow and agony, and leans in and says, hey, buddy, it hit you in the leg. It's a flesh wound. <laughs> Bro, if Victor Henry had the strength... I don't doubt that he would have jumped up and just scissor kicked that homie in the nuts himself. Um, I mean, it was, oh, dude, the way, thank you, JJ Smoke, for for reminding me. The way Victor Henry fell was funny as hell, though. Um, and I love that Victor Henry has a, a great sense of humor afterwards. His Instagram posts are just class. Definitely check those out. But the way he fell was like something out of an old, like old, old, old samurai movie. Like, <laughs> falls to his knees and then just slow motion face plants. Um, It was, I mean, it was gross, but when a guy literally just connects to your nuts with an anime style kick, you're going to fall down in slow motion in a very funny way. Um, He did fall like he got sniped in the nuts (laughs) because he did. He did get sniped in the nuts. Uh, with the extra movie dramatization. Oh. <laughs> the extra second. The slow motion. No, that's that's genuinely what it felt like. But man, like, come on. The doctor <sighs> the doctor was just ridiculous. And that's not the only time that doctor made mistakes. We're gonna go into those other mistakes later on for sure. Um man hoping for a speedy recovery for Victor Henry. If I'm being honest with you, dude, I think Bashrash should have to f- be forced to rematch him. Yeah, but it was close enough. Even just the strikes, what felt like that first round, it w- wasn't necessarily a definitive winner. Pike could have gone either way. We need to see more time. Bro, Victor stuffed three out of four takedowns. Yeah. Javid was going to get fucking gassed, bro. Yeah. Can, yeah. can you keep that pace along 15 minutes? That's tough, my no guy. No chance. Yeah, <laughs> no so, chance. Against tested. Victor Henry too, no chance. Mm-hmm. But I think I think Victor Henry was, like you said, the strikes, everything is very very close. So like, there's no reason not to run it back at this point. But man, I think if that fight would have continued on at that pace, that was Victor's fight, dude. Yeah, it could have been. And unfortunately, we won't we won't know uh, due to a yeah a, a direct blow to the twig and barriers there. Man, it's a tough one. Yeah, I hate to see it. He he said that they were the size of Satsumas. Oh, oof. that's what he. That's what he said. That's he posted a- that on his Instagram. <laughs> he also posted a screenshot of a DM from a fan and said, they also just want to say shout out to this guy. Thanks for making me laugh even when I had swollen pills. And the <laughs> screenshot is of the a guy DMing him saying, hey man, can you send me a picture of your uh, nutsack? That was it? <laughs> that was the DM. That was it? Oh, boy. <laughs> you got to imagine, like, this dude is having Fair. a conversation with his friends, and they're, like, arguing. Like, do you think he really got clipped in the nuts? I'm just going to ask him to send me a picture of his nuts. <laughs> dude, what's the worst that could happen? Maybe we'll just do it. What's the worst that could happen? He posts me on his Instagram story. Go at, least he, at least he blurred Sick. out the guy's uh, face and stuff, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, honestly, sure. hilarious. Uh, that so, is fantastic. <laughs> Moving into the next fight, Muhammad Yaya fought a man named Trevor Peak, who always, uh, you know, you, you don't really know what to expect, right? Uh, watching Trevor Peak fight is like handing a two year old a, a loaded handgun. 
you don't really know what's going to happen. You don't really know what to expect, but you know it's probably going to be fucking headline worthy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's Trevor Peak fighting, folks. Just chaos. Um, he, he does the, the Louisiana pistol whip. Fucking hitting you with the standing hammer fist. That's next level. Crank a lot of power in that thing. Uh, I mean, either way, I think if there was one thing that we took from this fight, Muhammad Yaya's got to change his name to Muhammad No No. Um, <laughs> <because> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Muhammad uh, Nana. <laughs> I'm here all week, ladies and gentlemen. I'm actually not. I'm leaving tomorrow for Louisiana. There we go. <laughs> yeah, Louisiana pistol whip. Uh, so, Muhammad Yaya came out there. He landed 47 strikes against the 83 landed by the opposition in Trevor Peak. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely have some thoughts on this fight. I definitely have some thoughts on young Trevor Peak. Uh, but I'll, I'll let you take the lead on this one, Nano. What were your thoughts? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm curious to hear you dive in a bit more, but Trevor Peak certainly uh, earned my respect. I mean, that was peak performance, peak dominance, peak uh, violence, like you mentioned earlier. You earned my respect, brother. You know, I, I had some harsh words to say going into it, and boy, did uh, do I look very dumb. And that's why I'm just got the microphone, got to put some more respect on these guys' name, man. But no, he really showed out i mean the, the takedowns the ability to really outstrike someone that's talented like mohammed yaya turn him into mohammed nah nah is that's what you're saying by that third round nah man i'm good nah thank you thank you uh but yeah just a master class performance by trevor peak we'd love to hear your breakdown here brother and if you have any thoughts for maybe what's next or again it's hard to play matchmaker all the time although we love doing it but curious to hear your breakdown man what'd you think of trevor peak well, I got to tell you, I think this is only the beginning, uh, and I, I don't think we've yet to see the peak of Trevor Peak. That's for sure. Um, the young man is definitely crushing and cruising and moving forward in all the right ways. He throws a very, very unorth unorthodox style of striking at his opponents, and it's kind of like throwing sawdust in an engine. You know, you can have the most finely tuned engine in the world, but you pour sawdust in the gas tank, and you're bound to blow that engine. Right? It's unexpected. It doesn't sit well. Um, it's also not supposed to happen. That's what happens when you fight Trevor Peak. A lot of things that aren't supposed to happen. Standing hammer fists, running towards you. Um, weird feints that don't make a whole lot of sense. But again, they do for Trevor Peak. He's a, like you've heard me say, meat and potato style striker. He's not a meat and potato style striker at all. He is what I would call a herky jerk fighter, right? Like he's constantly moving in weird ways, just herky jerk, right? Like he's, you don't know how to adapt to it. It's almost unadaptable. So he came out very patient. He looked very nice, but at the same time, it's still chaos, right? Like the, the style of striking that he throws, whether it's slow, fast, or, or in a medium pace, it's in your face and it's, it's unorthodox. It's weird. You don't understand what to expect next. And at the same time, if you if you block two, there's a third weird one coming. Like you can block a one two, and then he might just literally like hatch it, <laughs> hit you like with some uh, American Psycho shit. Um, but honestly, the man is a, an absolute savage, and he fights in arguably one of the biggest savage filled um, divisions that there is. So, 100%. what do I think should be next for him? I mean, it's tough to say. He's he's right on the cusp of in my opinion um making it to the top 15 
but he's just not quite there yet. Like, I would love to throw out a name like a Drew Dober. I would love to throw out a name like uh, Money Moicano. I think those would be very, very fun fights for him. Even at this point in his career, I think those would be fun fights already. But is he top 15 material quite yet? I don't know. Um, so other names that come to mind are Elvis Brenner. I think Elvis Brenner would be a really, really fun fight for him. I think that... Uh, He'd also be a good test for him. Elvis Brenner's 15 and three. He's a young man himself who just recently made it into the UFC has had up and down career thus far. If we wanted to really bite off a little bit more and kind of, you know, salvate here a little bit, maybe we feed him to the deep end a little bit sooner rather than later. I'm not saying top 15, not Drew Dober, but again, right outside of the top 15 is a fun, 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 fun name. Um, one you might remember, Benoit God of War Saint Denis. I think that's a fun fight. Oh man, uh, I, th- I think that's a fight where two guys who don't know the meaning of the word back up just meet each other in the center of the cage and throw chaos, skilled violence. Ooh, wee, that is that has banger written all over it, that's violence written all over it. Uh, like you prefaced it, man. I mean, 155, that division is loaded salt and peppered with the baddest dudes in the world man i mean one through 15 i yeah i don't know if you throw trevor peak to the wolves just yet um but i do say man i mean benoit saint denoit uh denis is a is a great talent he's knocking on the door that can be like sort of a contender eliminator fight winner there can go on and, and maybe get one of those next big name guys but um yeah that's a big one man JJ Smoke, I'm hyped for his big fight against Frivola. Oh, is, oh, do we? Are we missing something here? Oh, but only St. Denise already has a fight against Frivola booked. Mm, okay. Okay. That I already forgot is about that. To, well, yeah. if that's the case, then I think that we already know the answer. So whoever loses that fight fights the man himself, Trevor Pete. Solid. I like it. I'm hyped for yeah, that. A lot of yeah, dogs I mean, in that dude, division. Yeah, I'm Anybody in the top 25. Oh, yeah. Forget about that fight. How did I forget about that fight? That's a dogfight in itself. Um, speaking of dogfights, Tim Elliott, man, came out there against a pretty game Muhammad Makayev. I've got a lot of thoughts on this fight, so I'm going to let you go ahead and take the lead on this one. Yeah, I think Muhammad Makayev, like I was sort of hoping it was going to be the, the coming out party, and uh, that certainly be the case. I mean, he was able to show his, I mean, and he showed a lot of grit in his last fight as well, getting through his leg and ripped off and still finding a way to carve out a decision. Uh, something similar here as well. I mean, didn't even need to leave it to the judge's hands. He took it into his own hands that third round and was finally able to slip in the arm triangle. Here's here, your breakdown and what your overall thoughts were on Mohamed Makaev, but I just felt like we've seen a really well-rounded young talent who was able to you know, grudge out a victory against a really grizzled and and savage vet, man. I mean, this is somebody who, you know, in his peak, Tim Elliott um, is somebody that was contending with the 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 heat, uh, cream of the crop in the division. But now again, Muhammad Kaiv, man, this this young buck is certainly making a name for himself. Um, certainly seems to be well rounded. Uh, they don't call him the Punisher for nothing, man. This guy punishes people. So excited to hear what your uh, thoughts are on him from a tactical perspective, or just overall, man, how you felt watching him uh, perform against Tim Elliott. Well, this isn't going to be 
your favorite breakdown I've given probably. I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. So obviously I had Tim Elliott going into this fight. I I thought he was going to be able to get it done in the younger, less experienced Muhammad Mikhaev. And here's the thing, guys. He did and should have uh, gotten it done. So the reason I say that is because I saw Mikhaev grab the cage at least three times, um, which I counted him do it three times in his last fight as well. Uh, as well as the fake tap in his last fight, which made his opponent loosen the choke he had on him, which led to him winning the fight. Now, in this fight, very, very similar thing happened. Not only did I count him grabbing the cage three separate times, but he also cried wolf on illegal knees to the head uh, twice that I counted. So here's the thing. The first one, not a fine ending sequence. It's okay. That's fine. They reset them. Everything's okay. The second one that he cried wolf on, literally Tim Elliott had just landed like two or three knees to the head. They were legal. He lifted Muhammad Mikhaev's hands off the mat. Muhammad was in a, a, a squatted position, like a, a catcher squat. Knees to the head are legal in that position. There's nothing in the in the official MMA rules, unified or ununified fucking MMA rules, that state that that is an illegal knee to the head. Your ass has to be on grass, bro to mat like you have to be touching your butt on the mat or both hands on the mat neither hand was touching his feet were the only planted parts of his body he eats two knees and then gets a guillotine sunk in and cries wolf while he's getting choked out ref separates them he gets 30 seconds to recover essentially and then they discover that the knees were legal so they're going to put them back in the position oh by the way in the position that they reset them in he says go as Tim Elliott is still crossing his arms, getting locked in. That submission was fucking locked before they separated them. That fight was fucking over before they separated them. So with all due respect, I like Muhammad Mikhaev. I've been a Mikhaev fanboy for the last couple years. This wasn't it for me. Um, I thought that this was a gifted win. I thought that it was, if anything, um, a quick fight for him to lose respect in. I, I thought I saw holes in his game. And I see that anybody in the top 10 he fights is going to be able to see those holes too. Those are definitely a lot of good call-outs, brother. That was a solid rant. Much needed, right? I mean, a little humble pie that, hey, again, the reality is it's it's easy to get caught up in the the uh, the glamour and you know the allure of this young up-and-comer guy. But those are a lot of flaws that these top 15, top 10 guys are, are going to see right through. And you want to talk about flaws. Let's talk about the fact that, you know, your boy, Muhammad Makayev, he landed, uh, what, 30, no, 47 more strikes than my guy, Tim Elliott. And he landed 16 less significant strikes. So I don't want to say he's got pillow hands, but he's not, he's not throwing deadly strikes. And if we're supposed to be judging these fights on, you know, significant strikes landed, significant damage, et cetera. This fight would have gone to Tim Elliott. Oh, by the way, the judges' scorecards leaked. He was up two rounds to zero. Oh, snap. One judge had it a draw, 10-9, 10-9, and two judges had it 10-9, 10-9, both rounds for Tim Elliott, rounds one and two. So Tim Elliott effectively would have won that fight if that fight wasn't separated, even if he didn't finish, because he had Muhammad in a bad place. So, again, um, I'll end my rant there. What do I think should be next for our guy, uh, Muhammad Makayev here? Man, 
there's a number of different places and ways that this could go. Uh, realistically, the flyweight division is somehow stacked as hell, but wide open, right? Um, Brandon Moreno has basically been playing tag with the belt, taking it, giving it back, taking it, giving it back. Alessandra Pantoja has it currently. Um, Davidson Figueredo is still ranked number two, even though he's supposed to be fighting in a higher weight class since he can't make weight anymore. Amir Albazi should and could be fighting for the belt, but doesn't hold enough name value for Dana to really give him the chance he deserves. Um, so realistically, Brandon Raw Dog Roy Val is going to be the next guy to fight for the belt. So again, out of the top five, number four is going to be the next guy fighting for the belt, which means with somebody like Tim Elliott and Muhammad Mikhaev fighting and switching places, Muhammad Mikhaev is sitting at 10 now. He could very easily fight a Mateos Nikolaou or a Kai Kara France next sitting at number six, number five. Um, out of those two fights, which one would I rather see? I would rather see Kai Car fronts. Um, I also wouldn't mind seeing him fight my guy, Matt Schnell. I think Matt Danger Schnell puts him on his ass, if I'm being completely honest with you. Ooh, and all our big names and good tests for the kid, man. I think those are solid. I, I wouldn't be mad at any of those. I mean, again, another stack division. I mean, I'm curious to see where... You know, the the brash in being Dana White and the boys, you know, where do they see him fitting in in this puzzle, man? It's I'm curious because there's a lot of dogs, man. There's a lot, a lot of exciting new uh, up and comers, like you said. I mean, with Mantoja, with Moreno, Roy Val, all these guys, Kaikara France. Um, is that who he called out? Now I'm trying to think. I'm, I think I just had a flash memory. Did he call him out in the post conference or is that somebody else? I think he I think he called out Mateos. Oh, Mateos. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. I think he caught Right? Or I, I might be wrong. I don't know. Someone called out Kai Car France, but maybe oh, that no, was that, maybe, maybe that was him. That was probably him. Yeah. I think so. That would make sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it, bro. Fight. I think Kai Car France probably knocks him out. Although Manel Cop and Kai Car France had a little beef. That was going to be another one that they could definitely build up if they want. Star Boy. Star Boy, man. Now, Muhammad's right there, though, man. He's in the conversation, most definitely. I think you, you got to appreciate that. But Mashnell, let's see. Oh, I think he's fighting November 11th against Earkeg. Ear Earseg. So Mashnell's off. Danger. Mashnell oh, is uh, not table, on the list. Off, off the, the table, table, boys. Off the table. Um, that being and said, I don't know I if Muhammad's going to go down. And yeah, it has to be someone above him. Go ahead. Sorry, I was, I was just going to say before we move on to the next fight here, um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention. Even though we don't really talk about BKFC here that much, you know we got to talk MMA drama, and uh, if it ties together to the fights we are talking about, we're gonna we're gonna cover the drama just a little bit. So we're gonna we're gonna rewind a little bit. Um, Tim Elliott may have lost the fight, but he won the war, folks. So a while back, you may recall that Tim Elliott uh, went on a rampage on social media and basically just threw his ex-wife, um, now ex-wife, under the bus for cheating on him with someone that he called the best friend that trained mixed martial arts with him. Someone that we may, may actually know who fought in the UFC. Kevin Kroom, the bad guy himself. Um, crazy thing. Kevin Kroom happened to fight this very weekend in BKFC. And um, here's a picture of how that went. And a picture of them together as a little happy family unit. So, Holy. you know, you got to think that... Uh, He's going to enjoy seeing that at least a little bit. So that'll make his wounds heal up a little bit faster. And I can't wait to see Tim Elliott back in there. Absolutely. Did, did you know about that? 
I did not, brother. That is news to me. His wife's a UFC fighter, too. Gina Bazzani. Oh, shoot. Yeah. I was going to say, you probably recognize her. (laughs) No. So, um, a lot of family drama there. Uh, Yeah, man. Yeah. I was literally like, oh, man. The only way this could go worse is if Kevin Kroom goes out there and gets like a 30-second knockout in his DKFC fight. And then I saw the pictures (laughs) online, and I was like, oh, Tim's going to be all right. Oh yeah. Be all right. oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um so moving into the main card, guys. We have made it. It is time for the main card. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live. So kicking off the main card, quite literally, we had Saeed Nurmagomedov coming in against Muin Gafarov. Saeed. Put some respect on that young man's name. I you mean, know what I'm it, saying? It took five strikes <sighs> and, and a quick, just a quick sub. Um, it was an absolutely beautiful submission. What were your thoughts on this fight, man? For, for as long as it lasted, all minute and 13 seconds. Yeah, I mean, hey, we, maybe we don't need to spend much longer. Again, it was five seconds long. I'll try to keep it short and brief. But no, I, it just felt like he was very pissed off about his last loss and, and had that taste in his mouth and just needed to show the world, needed to show his opponent. Didn't matter who was in there. He was going to take care of them quick as possible. And that's exactly what he did. Found his opportunity. Only needed a couple strikes to set it up. And yeah, that gate team was so nasty, especially or that early in the fight. They're still dry. You just don't really expect it. All adrenaline's pumping. Yeah, he was not going to walk out of there without you know making that guy go Mimi's. So great, great performance by Saeed. Um, and that's what we said was going to happen, man. We Saeed, he was going to do this. So I'm glad we were finally right on this one. <laughs> I know you're right about it. Um, <laughs> that is that is what we Saeed was going to happen. Uh, so he's now sitting at number 15 after being not ranked now that the rankings are, are updated. So now that he's in the top 15, uh, the world is his oyster, right? Like, do we want to slow roll him or do we want to see just how good he is right away? You know me. Typically, I like to slow roll him. I don't like the Icarus effect, but I also think that this guy is damn good. I think he's ready for top tier opponents. I want to see what happens when you put him in there with... Ricky Simone. I want to see what happens when you put him in there with a Rob Font. Um, I think those are two really, really fun matchups for him on kind of opposite sides of the spectrum. One sitting at number 13, I believe, and the other one sitting closer to number nine or no, number eight. Um, curious to hear your thoughts. Did you have any names on the tip of your tongue for this one? The last one here that I'd mentioned, two, those are two definitely great ones, but another man sitting right above him at 14, El Guapo, another kickboxer, someone who's coming off a victory. Uh, two exciting names can be on a main card or headline a prelim if they needed to, uh, but that has fireworks written all over it as well. And the timing could probably make sense because he just fought again a couple weeks ago. I mean, obviously, Saeed didn't take any damage, so I say, why not, man? Anybody in that range. Ricky Simon's another good sleeper one as well. Absolutely. I, th- I think him and Ricky Simon would just, like, bang, bro. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think they just, like, they, I don't I don't know that it would be an MMA match. I, th- I feel like there would, it would be a fight. <laughs> That'd be a lot of, yeah, it'd be a fight. Yeah. It'd be a, fi- a lot of fisticuffs thrown. Yeah, it'd be a good one. Um, Dude, and I got to say, man, you know, there's an elephant in the room here. Uh, I was going to say that there's the fi- first fight of the night. It was early. You know, I mean, we had to wake up at seven o'clock here in the West Coast to watch it. 
But the guy Shara Bullet Magomedov, man, against Bruno Silva. I don't know if we wanted to break that down super oh, quick. Oh my gosh, yes. How but Shara I- Bullet is somebody, man. He's somebody. When I opened up the fights, for whatever reason, it cut that one off. I don't know why. I had to click a little like drop down thing to make it pop up. Yeah, Shara Bullet, man. I had to uh, just only- found the room before we go too far in this main card, but that one. My goodness. Yeah, I mean, the, the the pirate himself only outlanded his opponent more than two to one. Uh, and his opponent landed 100 strikes his own. So <sighs> 222 strikes landed, 113 significant strikes. And the man just, it, the crazy thing about it is when you hear he landed 222 strikes, typically you look and you're like, oh, he threw fucking 400 attempted strikes. That was wow. This brother landed 222 strikes and only attempted 274. He landed 113 significant strikes and only attempted 154. To do some quick math for you, that's a 73.4% clip and an 81% clip. Jeez. Dude is active. I I think it was uh, Mike Goldberg who said about Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva has some of the most accurate accuracy we've ever seen inside of the octagon. I mean, the pirate has some pretty fucking accurate accuracy. Oh, yeah. And he uses his legs like they're extensions of his arms, man. It was phenomenal. Landed 35 out of 38, was throwing feints, was was throwing hesitations with them, was tap dancing out there. Was I mean, throwing the dude player kicks off the bottom? I mean, dude, nuts, nuts. Everything he was throwing on the bottom. And that's what really earned my respect here. You know, they were kind of bagging on the wrestling a little bit. Maybe just because he's Dagestani doesn't mean they all are elite wrestlers. Okay, cut the man some slack. But it is interesting. I mean, even when he was on the ground, and again, he was on the bottom for about six minutes there, throwing nasty elbows, purposeful, cutting him open, hurting him. And I mean, they really neutralized Bruno. He wasn't able to pass guard. He wasn't doing anything offensive because every time he tried to, you know, uh, let go of the wrist or progress or do anything, he was getting two or three in, uh, in return. And again, they were accurate. This guy, man, he was very impressive. One-eyed Willie out there, the pirate with just his one eye, motivated by Michael Bisbing. I mean, this is somebody we'll be hearing more of uh, in the future to come, man. Stack division, he's 12-0, and though. And man, I mean, why not? Shoot him to the moon. I mean, at, at 29 years old, you ain't getting any younger. Didn't take any injuries. Why not? I mean, square him off against maybe someone potentially in that top 15 or just right outside of it. Um, but there's a Do lot I of names. Do I hear an Anthony Fluffy Hernandez? I I accept, Yana. I do declare. I will pay to see that fight. Come on. Either that one or Chris Curtis I'm not mad at. I was looking at Chris Curtis's name as well, dude. It's yeah. weird seeing everybody minus one, minus one, minus one. Obviously, Kamzat jumps the rankings there. But <laughs> I was going to say, that's what happens when you have someone like Kamzat jump all the way up to number nine. Sheesh. Can't wait to break that one down. But yeah, brother. Bro. Uh, a lot for a Shara Bullet, man. Another exciting talent to have in the UFC. Absolutely. Um, the the fight card that we're possibly talking about you coming out for, uh, Brendan Allen versus, uh, who's he fighting? He's fighting uh, Paul Craig. Paul Craig. I think the, like the winner of that fight, realistically, is going to be a fight or two away from the belt. Yeah. And I think Kamzat is probably a fight or two away from the belt because with all due respect... He beat one of the best of all time in, in Kamaru Usman, but he didn't beat a middleweight. He beat a welterweight. So I think yeah, one of the best welterweights of all time. 
Yeah. Look at that's welterweights of all time, not middleweights. So I think that Kamzat is not ready for a, a title fight. Um, and if he doesn't want to fight Paolo Costa and they want to fight, like, schedule Paolo against somebody else, I think realistically a solid fight for Kamzat next would be the winner of Brendan Allen versus uh, Paul Craig. Yeah. But that's I like us that getting ahead of ourselves. That is, that is. We'll get there. We'll cross that bridge. <laughs> um, we're almost there. We're almost there, guys. So moving, moving forward. You can stay Man. in the middleweight division, though. Speaking, yeah, we'll stay in the middleweight division. And speaking of Hamzat Shemaev, we have a young man who's got a little bit of a connection to him. A young man named Ikram Aliskarov, who currently sits at 15 and 1. By the way, that one happened a long time ago to a young man named Hamzat Shemaev. A little fun well, fact. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that aged well, don't you think? <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that that aged uh, pretty fucking good. It aged like whiskey or wine, definitely not like milk. So. <laughs> Ikram Aliskarov, I said in the breakdown episode this last week, guys, Wally Alves is fighting this weekend. Guys, what year is it? Because um, Wally Alves has been doing this for a long time, folks. And when he came out there, I'm going to be honest with you, uh, he very much looked like someone who's been doing this for a very long time. And I don't mean that in the best way possible. I mean that in a way that he looked like someone who very much was wearing the tread on their tires, very outspokenly and very openly. You can see it on him. And um, like Wally's got power. I'll give it to him. The power, as everyone will tell you, that has trained is the last thing to go, right? So he has power in spades. He always has. And all it takes is one, but Ikram was just too good. He's too smart. And that's why I ended up getting the TKO in the very first round, just two minutes and seven seconds in. What an absolute stud. Again, made it look very masterful. The guy has just barely made it into the UFC. This is only a second fight in the UFC. The first one was against Phil Hawes, uh, and he beat him too by KO in the very first round. Oh, by the way, to get into the UFC, he got that finish in the first round too in Dana White's Contender Series with a Kimura uh, submission. Two minutes in. So, two minutes and nine seconds, two minutes and ten seconds, and two minutes and seven seconds. Can anybody last two minutes and 15 seconds with this young man in the UFC? Because he's looking like a scarier Kamzat to me. Dude's a savage. Yeah, he's got all the tools. Uh, I'd be I'd be scared to fight this guy. I, there's something about him, man. He's just got leather in his hands. That's been my expression today. But yeah, the bread is in the pudding. As soon as he's came in here, has not skipped the beat, and that says a lot. I mean, again, why not? Why not rush these guys to the top, man? I mean, again, you got someone like a Chris Curtis sitting there. I want to see. Yes, I want to see. Good on good. I want to see striking on striking. I want to see someone that's well-rounded. And like you said, coming into the UFC at about 29, 30 years old, I mean, this is his prime. Like, go put him in there, man. Why not? I don't know if I'd sign that. I don't know if I'd answer that call. I don't know if I'd sign that contract myself. Uh, but again, at 15-1, and one, very impressive record. Orly Alves is a staple. That's a big name in the UFC, at least for us old-timers or people that have been watching UFC fights here for quite some time. Um, so give this, give this man an award or reward him. I should say with somebody that's ranked or, or a top 15 eliminator or contender fight. Completely agree. I think, uh, he has earned it. He has definitely earned it. Give him a top 15 ranked opponent next. 
the man is going to be a terror to the middleweight division. Um, again, this is somebody that I would, I think would actually match up even better with Anthony Hernandez, just because Hernandez would play the grappling game with him. And Ikram is actually a very skilled grappler too. He just hasn't had to show it so much. So, um, Sign me up for that one. Uh, JJ, you just said in the chat, Fluffy would sub Shara. His takedown defense didn't look good. How do you think that fight would go for uh, our guy Ikram, Aliskarov? Because I think I think he's a, he's a live dog in that one, my friend. Uh, moving right on ahead into the next one, Magomed Ankalaev coming in against Johnny Walker. Man. Well... We had a shot on this one, and it doesn't even matter who we had it on because nobody won. So, <laughs> so, so we're both that. doing shots, I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, if anything, I think we can all just do a shot to hopefully never seeing that doctor inside or near an octagon again. Um, that doctor, that doctor, that doctor, that doctor. I wish I had some like comical funny music queued up that i could play in the background just because i feel like it's necessary um it was absolutely terrible what that doctor did he came in there atrocious uh, to a to a man atrocious uh he came in there to a man named after whiskey johnny walker uh (laughs) who barely speaks english and there's a huge language barrier and this doctor comes in after the man ate an illegal knee, was coherent enough to look at the ref and be like, come on. And says, where are, are you? OK, where are you? Johnny Walker said today on the Hawani show, he's like, I thought to say Abu Dhabi, but I didn't want to get it wrong. So I was like, I'm good. I'm OK. I'm in the desert, man. Let's fucking go. Yeah. A man that like, doesn't speak English is trying to translate in a different language. What he where he's at in a different, totally different country, which I don't think anybody knows where they're at. I was going to say, with all due respect, like after they said that, like me and Mary looked at each other and she's like, what country are they even in? And I was like, I don't know. I would have said Abu Dhabi. And then I thought about it. and I was like, oh, they're at UAE, United Arab Emirates. But like, bro, I'm like not in a fight. I'm sitting in my fucking bed having breakfast. I would have said Abu Dhabi. They would have stopped the fight, and I would have gotten half a paycheck. Especially middle atrocious. of the yeah, especially middle of the fight. Yeah, you're a little dazed, but your adrenaline's pumping. You're not necessarily trying to think about a you know theological question here. It's like no, I'm in the desert, man. Give me back to this fight. Yeah, that's more so what it was. And he didn't but even really seem dazed, in my humble opinion. Like he he genuinely like as soon as he ate the knee, he's on his knees, eats a knee, turns his whole head around, and then he looks up at the ref like, "What the fuck? You gonna call that?" Like. That doesn't he seem was like so a man confused. that's out he, of it. Yeah, even after it was over, he was so confused when the refs were in there still and, and they're like, oh, okay, it's over. And and he's still putting his hands up, like walking forward. Like, what do you mean? He even pushes the ref at one point, which a little, little touch. You know, you only get two hands you there, Johnny boy. But um, welcome, welcome to the chat, Andrew, a.k.a. Turtle 301. My issue with this fight is the rules were not properly enforced. After an illegal blow, you get five recovery minutes before the doctors step in. Walker did not get five minutes. Mans didn't even get two minutes. <laughs> the doctor was like, I've got this one. I'm just going to go in. and." Mans also got his fucking doctor's license at the bottom of a Cracker Jack box as a prize. Like, who gave this man his license? Dana then went at the post-fight press and was like, well, you know, he's new. He's new? He's new? What does that even mean? Bless you. Bless you, my friend. And bless whoever the fuck decided that it would be a good idea to let that guy be a doctor at a ufc event 
So again, we drink to that man never showing face again at another event, hopefully. Cheers. My gosh. Oh, head. Oh, man. A little spice. Yeah, just, yeah, just. Uh, oh. The usual whiskey's running low, so I figured I'd switch to this. Bad choice. Uh, so, that being said, before this fight was called off, I actually thought Johnny Walker looked better than ever. Um, faking the body pain, backing out, jumping up to land the, the flying jump knee or jump switch knee. Dude looked good. He looked really good. He looked very cerebral in there, which is something I don't usually say when watching a Johnny Walker fight. Um, no offense. Big fan. I just don't think that he's usually the most cerebral fighter. He's a, kind of a run and gun guy, you know, fire from the hip style. And that's okay. It typically works for him. But looked really good out there for as long as the fight lasted. He was landing at about a 56% clip. Um, 17 out of 30 shots landed. And 14 of 27 of those were significant strikes. He was up by one on both significant and total strikes. And Magomed Ankalaev did land one takedown of one attempted. But Johnny was proving very hard to be held down. And, I mean, realistically, my biggest issue, the only issue I have bigger than what Andrew pointed out in the chat here about the rules not being followed properly is if you're going to call this off, the only person that was more of a nimrod inside of that cage than the doctor is the ref. At the end of the day, it's the ref's job to make the final call. It's his job to call off or continue a fight. And it's his job to say whether or not something is a no contest or a fucking DQ. And if I see that my opponent's both knees are planted firmly on the ground, that is a rule. I cannot knee you in the head. To say that that was an unintentional strike, that would be like me putting a gun to your head, pulling the trigger and saying it was an unintentional murder. No, dog. I know how that story ends. I know what I'm doing is wrong. <laughs> I think we all know. <laughs> Pretty obvious. <laughs> like, that's that's the biggest fucking problem. Like, I was losing my shit when this happened live. You can ask Mayor. I, I haven't stopped losing my shit, as you can see. Like, it's, it's upsetting, bro. Um, it, it, to call that unintentional is literally atrocious. It's gross. And it's negligent. To the sport and it's it just it it's alarming for the fighters that take place in this sport make it make sense man i'm afraid i can't do it Fred, i can't do it captain it's it's unfortunate man you, you articulated it perfectly um you know unfortunately you see this in other sports as well whether it's uh in football unfortunately the referees taken away from the game taken away from the integrity literally ruining games i mean people betting on these games billions of dollars being at stake here it's a multi-billion dollar sport you just can't have it like there's a reason why we have technology um and in this case like i, I wish there was a better way to try to take that human element out of it or have a better checks and balances or i just wish there was someone else there to say whether it's dana or anyone to look at maybe not make that determination but you know, maybe could have checked like, hey, hold on, there's a discrepancy. Like, what is a formal test? I mean, is there some sort of concussion protocol? I mean, that is very 
secretive like even in nfl you don't see that following the rules that we have true (laughs) at a minimum waiting five fucking minutes to send the doctor in (laughs) can we just do that that solves all yeah i mean one minute two minutes (laughs) four minutes after add more rules that make everything like make more sense and make everything more logical but like we got to start by just using the fucking rules we have yeah that's It's like in sales right like if you have a client that you are trying to get to spend more money and you have another client that has an allotted budget that's just not burning that budget every day, it makes more sense to work with the person that has the money to spend and burn the budget rather than ask for a new budget. So we don't need to ask for new rules. We need to use and enforce the fucking current rules. (laughs) Can we please just play by the rules that we wrote down on the fucking official papers? (sighs) One can only hope. (laughs) <laughs> only in a perfect world like, brother i feel like i'm going crazy every other weekend bro like it doesn't happen every weekend i won't i won't say that i won't be that ass fair, guy but fair. every other weekend there's at least an argument about well the judges gave that one away to the wrong guy or that was a robbery or wow i can't believe this guy got away with x y and z and it's like until rules are blatantly enforced and I don't just mean what happened this weekend. I mean, well, I mean, it did happen this weekend. I mean, we can go back to the Muhammad Makayev fight, right? Like a man grabbing the cage, a man two fights before that, grabbing the inside lining of the gloves so that he negates, you know, different grappling advantages and exchanges. These are the things that drive me absolutely nuts. Because if I'm fighting you and you're a better grappler than me, and like, let's face it, I've trained way more than you. So I have better technique. I think we can call a spade a spade there. But you're fucking bigger than me. You're stronger than me. So if you're on top of me, it doesn't matter how good my technique is. It's going to be a struggle to get up, right? right? But if I'm able to grab your gloves to get up, what's a lot fucking easier, kid? (laughs) You can literally leverage yourself off of that alone. Right. So, I mean, like, we've, we've seen types of things. Or if you're stacking guard on me and trying to rain down punches and I am grabbing the lining of your gloves, again, you got nothing, kid. You're just hovering above me, wasting energy at that point, posting. I'm holding your shit. You can't do anything. So if I can do that and have zero risk of having a point taken and then do it again until the ref calls me on it. And oh, by the way, still no point taken. Well, then I'm going to switch my cheating strategy. Next time you try to take me down, I'm going to grab the cage two to three times until the ref calls me on that. And when he calls me on that, we poke you in the eye two or three times until he calls me on that. And then when he calls me on that, we kick you in the nuts two or three times. So he calls me on that. And then maybe after I've cheated 12 fucking times, they'll take one point. And I still fucking win because you have one eye, no nuts, and you're uh, one out of 16 takedowns on me because I fucking cheated my way through those. Aye, aye, aye. One can only hope. Like, that's that's the thing. Like, in football, when they realize, hey, um, Johnny's holding Theodore. I, uh, I I don't think that that's fair because Theodore would have made a touchdown if Johnny wasn't holding him by the jersey. We should enforce a rule called holding. We'll throw a flag anytime someone's doing that, and then we'll just reset the play, and we'll oh we'll give the uh, the team that was at the whim of that we'll give them the advantage. We'll give them a five yard uh, cue there or ten yards, and they do that now every time somebody's holding. Wow! So like that that's it's crazy, right? Like they saw they they saw a flaw. They made a rule, they implement the rule, and now they follow the rule. And now what do you see a lot less of? Holding. It still yeah. happens at least once a game. Yeah. But it used to happen a lot fucking more than that. Yeah. 
It is a lot. It's a lot of revisions. It's yeah, over the years, different iterations of it. I mean, as simple, not as simple, but as it's like scrutinizing each word, like verbatim. What does it mean? The complete catch rule, like all of that. And 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 unfortunately, a lot of times it, it takes an event like this to happen where now you kind of have to almost invent a new policy because it's a new thing, you know, and call this the Johnny Walker rule or something. But maybe there should be a secondary opinion. Maybe the doctor shouldn't be trying to talk to someone in English. Maybe the translator should have been in there or at a minimum utilizing the full five minutes. Maybe that's a standard I mean, at that at this point, Johnny yeah. Walker has tagged Dana White on Twitter and said, "Like, oh, so next fight, I'm just going to kick my opponent in the nuts, and I'm going to grab the cage, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that because cheating is something that isn't a problem." Yeah, this guy I mean, need me in the head and didn't get a DQ. He literally put it like, thing, in, yeah. his, in his rant. He put a picture of a soccer emoji and said, "I'm just going to kick my opponent's head like a," which he's basically saying, "Next time my opponent's on the ground, soccer kick to the fucking head, baby. No DQ. It'll just be a no contest, best or worst case scenario." Yeah, I'll take that. Jeez, that's craziness. Like, yeah, it's unfortunate. And that's, it, that's terrifying. Yeah. The fact that a fighter that went through that, like, and I'm not faulting Johnny at all. Like, I, if, if, like, you know me, I'm fucking dark as hell. You <laughs> fuck me, I'm going to get very dark online. And I'm going to make very dark jokes, and it's just, it's going to be very bad, bro. Um, so I'm, I'm team Johnny on this, okay? But the fact that a, a, a fighter, someone who does this professionally for a living, is saying so next time i'm in a fight i'm just gonna soccer kick uh the head of a grounded opponent because there's no there's no uh fouls in that there's no there's no problem there's gonna be no contest that would essentially be like i don't know a boxer saying i'm gonna dip my hands in cement and cut some padding out of my gloves because there's no fouls yeah it's not you're talking anymore, about, you're talking whatever, about life yeah. ending potential like yeah not that i think he's actually gonna do that but again like the fact that you have even set a precedence for your fighters to be able to say that in a joking matter, but it's not—it's only half joking. That's yeah, an issue. yeah. Especially when you're Dana integrity. White. It, that's that's exactly what I was going to lead into. Is if you're Dana White and your two main focuses are to build the integrity of the sport and the respect of the sport, because we all know Dana White in a perfect world, he doesn't care who owns him. He doesn't care if it's Fox, ESPN, the fucking House of Mouse. He does not care. All Dana wants is to know that 30 years into this, 40 years into this, he was able to take something that was considered barbaric and turn it into a big five sports. He wants to make UFC and mixed martial arts the sixth of the big five. Yeah. He wants it to carry the same respect and, and recognition as NHL, NFL, MLB. And it should. It's on, it's on its way. But the only reason it hasn't is because the rules. They're inconsistent. Yeah. If, yeah, I play, if, if, if I watch a fucking NFL game that's taking place in Nebraska and I watch one that's taking place in fucking New Orleans and then the next week I watch one that's taking place in Washington, guess what, kid? They've all got the same rules. But every yeah. weekend, if I watch a fight card that takes place in Brazil, well, they have not adopted the unified rule set of MMA. They're playing by rules from 10 years ago? Why? What is the reason? <laughs> for what <laughs> like why are different countries playing by different rules yeah last change like, oh uh the the rule for uh the definition of a grounded opponent is different here well that's why people are accidentally fouling people or for that matter purposely fouling people and getting away with it yeah yeah because you're giving them a reason to say oh i didn't know yeah you can't give them that out 
No. It's arbitrary. Bro. Well, there's no rule like that directly says that's it. The it's best a- rule. That's the best word for it, bro. It's arbitrary. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well said. Can't have it. Can't have it. Can't have it, Cotton. Uh, so that brings us to the, the biggest topic of this entire fight, other than the doctor and the fucking ref, the fighters. What should happen next? Magomed Ankalaev has now been a part of, I believe, four controversial fights in the UFC alone. Um, and he hasn't had a ton. Johnny Walker, on the other hand, is uh, in need of a win, desperate need of a win. He's essentially fighting for a job at this point, folks. And this is the, um, I don't know, probably the worst possible way this fight could have ended for him. So the, the two questions I have for you, Nano, are should these fighters rematch one another? And um, obviously, if not, the caveat to that is who should they fight next? Uh, And if whether or not those two things are yeses or noes or whoever they should go. Do you think that this fight should remain a no contest? Or if you're Johnny Walker, do you do you file for an appeal with the um, the athletic commission or rather fucking lack thereof seemingly in Abu Dhabi? And what would it be changed to a change to a DQ? He would get a DQ. DQ win on his record. Mm. that's fucking big bro yeah that's, <laughs> like, that's you, ginormous like, who, who's your I favorite know. football team the raiders right oh yeah right what are what are they at right now for the season oof i think we're th- three and four three and four Could you imagine if we were four and three you probably would have said that a lot more excitedly right yeah oh yeah that's the fucking difference except <laughs> this doesn't just go away at the end of the season this sticks with him for his career yeah yeah, I'd no, fight facts. my ass off to overturn that fucking no contest. I mean, I would. I know my mom's a paralegal. I think the the little bit of lawyer in our family would definitely make us want to fight for our rights there. But it's, yeah, that's I, what I guess say. it's just right. It's and it, yeah, and it's unfortunate. I mean, that's probably not the reality, or I don't know how realistic that would be. Yeah. So unfortunately, I, I would set be willing to settle with the rematch. I mean, that probably needs to happen. Uh, if if you're not going to automatically give yeah what Johnny Walker should have already gotten you know and again like to your point of being willing to say hey you know what we look back and yeah we got it wrong I just don't know if the UC would ever actually do that wish they would here in this situation it's a great chance to but now it just feels like you got to just run it back I mean you have to right I don't know I mean why not I mean honestly we didn't get a chance to see anything I mean this is <coughs> two guys that were going to be fighting potentially for like a number one contender matchup i mean we can try to look here and and maybe you try to make a case of who uh who else makes sense but it's like these are the two guys right here right now and if they're both healthy they're both ready run it back man that's my opinion what about you brother I completely agree, but I, I take it a step further. I would, I would get the contract to run it back, and then the second I get Maga, I'm, I'm fucking shady as fuck if I've been fucked over, bro. Like if, <laughs> if you fucked me, and I know that you hit me intentionally, I'm, there's no stone unturned, bro. I'm waiting until I get confirmation from the big bags that you have signed the dotted line for the rematch, and then I'm filing an appeal with the fucking athletic commission to overturn our first fight to a DQ win for me. Ooh, I like that. Then you're coming in fucking upset, angry, needing that win over me, and I'm going to get another one on you because I was beating you the first time, bitch. A doubling down on it. If if I'm Johnny Walker. I'm not calling Magomed Ankalaev a bitch. Bitch move, though. (laughs) For sure, for sure, bitch move what he did. Like, honestly, yeah, I I just, 
There's no way around it, bro. To say yeah. that that was an unintentional knee is just asinine. It's fucking, it's criminal. Um, so moving into the co-main event of the evening, got Kamaru mother Usman coming in against Kamzat, the wolf, Chimaev. Um, man, Kamzat Chimaev just keeps that perfect record, huh? Um, biggest thing about this entire fight that shocked me is Kamzat's wrestling. Um, I thought that his wrestling was a lot of muscle up. There's a lot of technique in it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the technique isn't there, but from what we've seen, he has been able to get away with just muscling up on positions. Um, I thought Kamzat being, or sorry, I thought Kamaru being the wrestler that he is and having the wrestling pedigree that he does, I thought he was going to be able to come out there and get it done. I thought he was going to be able to out-wrestle his opponent and basically negate him with his own wrestling. That simply was not the case. Um, Kamzat did a beautiful job. When he did get seemingly tired in the second round, I thought Kamzat looked absolutely brilliant out there. Um... I could have seen that being a, a split decision for Kamaru Usman. I would have been mad at it. It was a very close fight. If that would have been a five-round fight, I think Kamaru would have won that fight. And uh, they offered him a five-round fight against Kamzat. They told him it was his choice. Three rounds or five rounds. He chose three because it was short notice, and he said at the post-fight presser, he made a mistake. Oh, man, that sucks. Yeah, because you know Kamzat <laughs> wouldn't have said no. Um yeah. Yeah, I gutted for him. I feel like that was that was. I guess why yeah, else? That was genuinely I, a mistake. Yeah, I, and I guess that's like maybe is that just UFC throwing them a bone or just knowing? Hey, I'm the the fighter with the better gas tank. Like I'll do that because there, it, there's no title and it's not a main event. So they, I'm curious they why they would know that some fighters would prefer that, and that's a negotiating tactic for mm. those fighters. Uh, mm. Nate Diaz, for example negotiated a five-round fight against tony ferguson and he negotiated okay. a five-round fight against comes out in the co-main event when they were mm. supposed to originally fight oh um, okay 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 yeah so like there there have been a couple of fighters that negotiated five-round fights for co-main events um yeah so well, that's 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 that what I been think the, the reasoning yeah, yeah that would have been the move man because man the, i mean great fight i mean that first round was was clearly comes I'm curious if you scored it a 10-8 because that does factor into the overall scoring here. But Kamaru certainly was coming back strong the second and third round. I think you could have made a case for him winning either of those rounds, although I don't think both. The second one was a bit slower, most definitely, and those are hard to judge. I think maybe you just assume Kanzai was winning. Maybe you needed to see Kamaru do a little bit more to edge it out. Otherwise, the knot has to go to Kamzai because, again, he was just so damn dominant. And they both were a bit slower or just not as busy that second round. And the third one, I mean, like you said, really would solidify my uh, agreeance in your initial response there. And that, yeah, if it was going to go five rounds, I think it was almost clear as day that Kamaru was going to find a way to to win. I I don't know if it was Kamzat's gas tank or, I mean, in my opinion, it just felt like every time uh, Kamaru was, was... uh, negate, blah, blah, blah. uh, initiating the striking. Can't talk today. Uh, who I'm, I'm a little rusty. Um, it just felt like every one of those initiations, uh, the strikings. I mean, he Kamaru was all over him. I mean, getting to the mark was quicker, was a little more sharp. I just had a feeling that, yeah, that was going to turn into one way traffic if it were going to go any longer. But 
boy, comes out. Hey, I mean, at the end of the day, he won. That was what I thought was going to happen. We, I mean, that was who I was betting on. Mostly because, again, he's just, he's the bigger guy. He had the full camp. But Kamaru earned my respect, man. Again, the best welterweight, arguably, of all time. And one of the best of our generation. I did not lose any respect for him. But it was just unfortunate knowing, hey, you know, you're, you're risking it all. You're putting it all on the line. But you did also... Did the you also did the UFC a huge favor here in accepting that bout, which again you you called other people, no one else was answering that phone call. So I give him props, man. And uh, you know I don't know what's next for Usman. I don't know if you want to keep fighting. Frankly, I mean you're at that point where your legacy is cemented. You've you lost three in a row now. I mean technically two to two different people, but that's three L's in a row. I mean, he could obviously keep doing it. I mean, he, you know, someone like a Bilal Muhammad, I know, uh, was someone that was mentioned to wanting to fight off against Usman. But, ah, man, it's just, I feel bad, man. He's a legend. As he gets older, though, and again, as Kamzat's entering his prime, just two different stars going different directions, man. You hate to see it, but that is unfortunately the way that the sport goes. Um, yeah, unfortunately, as it is, that is the way the sport goes. Um, Father Time is undefeated, and we're starting to see it. You know, uh, Kamaru Usman has said for years that he has bad knees, and um, I don't know that that so much played into what we saw happen on Saturday night, but man, couldn't have helped, right? So, that being said, Kamara Usman did go out there. You asked me how I felt about the fight. You asked me how I felt about the first round. Did I think it was a 10-8? Um, how did I score the fight? How did I break down the fight? First things first, obviously, I bet on Kamara Usman in this one. I think you had uh, comes up. So you're scotch-free, brother. But here we go. Ah, feels good. There you go. Solid, brother. Man of your word. A bet made, a debt paid. You know, that's what I always say. So, we're going to go ahead and jump right into the fight, guys. Round one, okay? Kamaru Usman came out ready to fight. Kamzat came out ready to wrestle. Shoots for a takedown. Goes two for seven on takedowns. 28% clip there. But, even though he only went two for seven on takedowns, he was spamming them motherfuckers because he got four minutes and 35 seconds of control time in this round. Even though Kamar Usman shot zero takedowns, he actually got four seconds of control time, which I thought was fairly impressive. But not enough to turn the tides of war, so to say. Uh, and that being said, Kamar Usman again landed 100% of the significant strike attempts he threw, which were only three. Uh, his opponent... Though he landed 61 strikes, only landed 16 significant strikes. So again, comes out wasn't down there on the mat doing fucking absolute damage. So the only reason um, that I would possibly say that it wasn't a 10-8, uh, in the realm of reality that I like to live in, though, it was a fucking 10-8. Now, you heard me say, I could see an argument for Kamara Usman winning this fight. My argument for Kamara Usman winning this fight would have to be if the judges did not score that liberally a 10-8. So, if the judges scored that a 10-9, let's move forward into the next round. And in round two, Kamaru Usman came out there and he landed 12 out of 19 attempted strikes, while his opponent managed to land 12 out of 23 attempted strikes, obviously losing steam from the 66 attempted strikes in the round before. He also managed to go one for one on takedowns, 100% clip for those of you that are bad at math, uh, and managed to control his opponent, Kamaru Usman, for 41 whole seconds. 
Now, Kamaru Usman obviously a lot harder to keep down in round two. Landed uh, 11 significant strikes out of 18, thrown at a 61% clip, while his opponent only managed to land 9 of 20 at a 45% clip. Now, I had this a 10-9 round for Kamaru Usman. Pretty pretty damn clear, if I'm being completely honest with you. Uh, and then going into the last final round, round three, we had Kamaru Usman coming in with 41 strikes to the 34 landed of Kamzat Samayev and almost 2-1, to one, landing 22 significant strikes over the 13 landed from Kamzat Shamayev. Now, again, Kamzat did go one for four on takedowns, 25% accuracy clip here, and was able to establish two minutes of control time. With that control time, was not able to land a whole lot of strikes from the top, which gave me Kamaru Usman winning that round. If I'm being completely honest... If I separate myself from my picks, I've already done my shot, so there's nothing to lose or gain here, guys. We're already in this. Um, I think it should have been ruled a majority draw. I I would say 10-8 round one, 10-9 round two, 10-9 round three, by way of Kamaru Usman, majority draw. 28-28. That's the fucking fucking game, buddy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I thought rounds... Two and three were 10-9 rounds for Kamaru. I, again, I thought it was pretty clear as day. Like, again, every other week, the judging changes. One week, a guy will hold someone down and do nothing with the takedown, and that guy will lose the fight because he didn't try to win the fight. He didn't try to do damage. But when Kamzad does it, it's okay. Uh, so, I don't know, dude. I don't know, dude. I feel like um, Kamaru possibly did enough to at the very least get a draw. Either way, I think the hardest thing was watching him in the post-fight presser and just kind of seeing how down on himself he was. He was very... It was, it was the most depressing, right? Like, you hate to see these guys going through it because they are... You literally said, he could retire. He has a legacy. The man's done it, okay? He's, he's the fucking man. Um, but at the end of the day and at the end of Saturday for that, he literally seemingly feels like he's new to this sport and hasn't done anything. He has no accomplishments. All he has is the three losses that he has recently. And that sucks. Um, But recency bias is arguably one of the most real and most brutal aspects of this entire sport. So he's not wrong. That's facts, brother. That's facts. I mean, it's a harsh reality. It's a, yeah, it's a, what have you done for me now? type of sport type of industry but again what he did is he took a fight that nobody else would so i think he has earned maybe some sort of a you know kamaru what are you thinking do you want to stay up here 185 do you want to go back down what's next for you we'll we'll pull out the red carpet Uh, that's what i'm hoping he 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 gets next it's whatever he damn wants Whatever the fuck he wants, man. Um, I think Kamara should get whatever he wants next. When it comes to the winner of this fight, because we like to call what's next for the winners, um, I'm going to ask you what you think is next for Kamzat Shemaev, but um, out of the norm, I am going to take the lead on what I think should be next for him. And I'm going to go ahead and just take the lead and bury the lead on this one. I don't think it should be a fucking title shot. Mans went out there and beat a fucking welterweight, and damn it, that's not enough for a title shot. Um, Also... Unpopular opinion, folks. I think Sean beats him. I think Sean Strickland is, with all due respect, today's um he's like a he's like a cross between like Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell. Okay, because he has the abilities of, of Randy Couture when it comes to wrestling and wrestling negation, but he just wants to stand up and hit you with 
nice big shots like Chuck Liddell. Um, but he's cleaner. He has you know that rudimentary like meat and potato style striking that you know I love so much. I'm gonna put that on a fucking t-shirt. I was actually thinking about it. Um, JJ Smoke, I owe you a t-shirt. I'm gonna make a new meat and potato style striking t-shirt. Uh, I'm gonna get your address on on Twitter and I'll send you that. You'll be the first one to have it. So uh, yeah, meat and potato striking is is one of the things that I love. And boy, boy oh boy, Comstock's got it. He's got that meat and potato style striking. But. One thing I didn't like is in that final little montage in round three, when he finally decided to drop the gloves and just throw fisticuffs, he missed five or he missed four out of five strikes that I counted and Kamaru landed three out of five. So not a good look um, when you're doing the Max Holloway. Let's stand and bang. Don't do that in the future. Uh, and what do I think should be next for him? Since it's obviously not going to be Sugar Sean Strickland. <laughs> Sugar Sean Strickland. What if he, what if he changed his name to that? Just once. That'd be hilarious. Um, I think it should be a Marvin Vittori. And I honestly think that Marvin Vittori shows them that they're built different in Mordor. <laughs> That's absolutely right. They are of a different breed. <laughs> That's a good one, though, man. I mean, he's coming off the loss against Shayer Cannoneer last. Marvin Vittori, that is. Um I mean, and he he's ranked up there, and, and and I'd agree. I mean, I'll quickly just jump in and say I don't think he deserves a title shot. I agree with what Sean said. Yes, this is a big win, and yes, let's agree that Kamzat is a stud. He's sorry that was Kamzat trying to jump the line, guys. He's trying to jump everybody <laughs> out here, man. I mean, you see what he did in the rankings, but you see who is still above him. That's Apollo Costa. So that fight has a lot of juice. That might have to be the guy. To a answer lot of the bell juice. Am I right? Yeah. Am I right? Jared Cannonier is another fun option. I mean, dude, even Robert Whitaker. I mean, dude, anything for Kamzai, sign me up, brother. But I don't think you can throw him straight to Sean. There are some other guys. Patrick Duplessis, Jared Cannonier. There's some other names here that deserve a title shot, I believe, before our boy Kamzai does. So, I need to see one more test. Hobbit Hitaker. <laughs> Hobbit Hitaker. That's how it. What a guy. What a guy. I thought you love it, dude. I like I could listen to I, I wish Pelo Costa would give motivational speeches. I don't know that they would motivate me to do anything other than just laugh. Um, but I would listen and I would watch. Secret of juice. In new apple flavor. I just kidding. Secret of Juice has no apples. <laughs> have you seen that? Have you ever seen that? The no. Secret Juice ad? Uh-uh. You have it? Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm going to have to go I'm gonna, search I'm gonna, the I'm gonna play it at the one. end of the episode. I'm going to play it at the yes, end of the episode. Do it, for do it. Hold on. Yeah. Dude, you really haven't seen it? He did a no. fake ad? He did the fake, like, you know how Conor McGregor did the uh, mocking the Apple ad for the Apple uh, Proper 12 shit? Mm, okay yep yep yep. so paulo costa did one like that mocking conor mcgregor mocking apple doing a secret juice ad oh my gosh and it's it's truly one of the best things ever that is fantastic it's it's really incredible um yeah hold on worth the wait ladies and gents all right here we go yeah I'm just skipping the ads on YouTube and then I'm going to tab over. So that way everyone can see this. Yeah, this is honestly, it's, in, it's incredible. All right, here we go. Um, let me just switch out everything here. 
go ahead and hit the no filter backdrop. Present, share screen. Here we go. Oh. Oh my gosh, Steve Jobs. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow, he cleans up well. <laughs> oh my, Atlanta. I was born in the world. <laughs> the world was introduced to, to me. To me. <laughs> Powerful Brazilian body. <laughs> One years. <laughs> this, this is, is liquid, liquid gold. gold. <laughs> <laughs> Secret juice. Secret oh juice. Oh my gosh! Liquid gold. It's good marketing. It's good marketing. <laughs> A little bit of. <gasps> oh my gosh! Along the montage. Not the montage. <laughs> Oh my lord. <laughs> Lift weights, hard sex. <laughs> oh. This is hysterical. <laughs> oh, this is too much. Oh, this is too much. <laughs> what a legend. Absolute legend. <laughs> It'll be on shelves very soon. Oh my gosh. This is too much. <laughs> It is, this is definitely worth a Google. Maybe July. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. How do you like them apples? <laughs> Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe there is. <laughs> like, well, what the hell is in it then? <laughs> it's secret. It's secret juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That is too great. That is wow. That is marketing at its finest, right there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you guys, stick it at juice, okay? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so obviously, we like to break down the fights here on the podcast. We also like to have fun. Um, of course, obviously, of course. I have no rights or ownership to that video whatsoever. You literally saw me pull it up on YouTube. Pretty sure it was Paulo Costa's YouTube. Just going to play this just in case, though. And that being said, we got the last fight to talk about. It didn't last very long, only three minutes and six seconds. But man, I got to tell you, Nano, I've been telling you about this guy's kicks for a very long time. Been telling you they're yeah. very powerful. Strong yeah. enough to break bones to a fucking kick shield. Don't I, uh, might I add. <laughs> um, man. What a performance. Islam Khachev. And guy still. got it done. And still. Um, Maybe man. you want to break it down while I do my shot here because, man, man of my Dude, word as well. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do one with you. I'm going to do one with you because this is my guy. You know what I'm saying? I'll do a freebie with you. Celebratory. Okay. I a like celebratory it. one. A celebratory one because, dude. Let me tell you, I've been waiting for this guy to get his shine, to get his flowers for a very long time. Um, since he barely spoke any English and was training at AKA, just mixing it in with the fucking amateur Muay Thai classes. And here's to that, man. Here's to Islam making it happen. Salute. 
So jumping into the fight, guys, this is something that I saw happening, okay? Because while if I were to ask you, Nano, you're going to play the part of the of the casual fan. No offense, obviously. <laughs> um, but I want you to play the role to the best of your ability, okay? Now, if I ask you as a casual fan, going into Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky, um, who would you say is the grappling expert? Well, based on my limited knowledge here, I'm going to say Islam, the Dagestani guy, is a better grappler. Wild, wild, wild assumption you made there. And who would you say is the uh, more proficient striker? If you had to say one of these guys was possibly the best striker in mixed martial arts currently, who would you say it was? Well, I got to be honest, man. When I hear about striking and even just the name Alexander the Great makes me think he's a great striker. I would lean him. Again, I can't believe it. You got the, the just the nail right on the head with the hammer there, bud. Great job. You get a free MMA Anomaly t-shirt. Um, so uh, great job to Nano, you guys, playing the role of the uh, casual fan. Give a round of applause in the chat there. Um, fall right into it pretty easily. What can now, I say? Now, <laughs> natural. What a natural. Um, now, that being said, the reason that I brought this up, and the reason I asked you those questions is because Something you might not know. Fun fact about Islam Makhachev is uh, he has the highest significant striking defense of any fighter to have ever competed at any weight class in any era, in any decade, in any fucking date since UFC's birth. He has the highest significant strike defense of all time, of all fighters, of all divisions in the UFC. Put some fucking respect on the man's name. Got me hitting my desk so hard. My camera's going out of focus, folks. Seriously, though, come on. Like, I get it. Alexander Volkanovsky is a better striker. Some would think. I will say it again at the risk of sounding like a broken record, folks. Sometimes all he needs a little mean potatoes. Okay. Um, a big fan of meat potatoes. Big meat potatoes guy growing up in the South, okay? And that's probably why I like Islam so much because he has a meat and potato style striking that is exactly what you need. And the the only thing you really need with that striking is a solid fight IQ. And um, not only does he have a solid fight IQ and a meat potato style striking, that's enough to fill anybody up. Um, he also just sprinkles in better grappling than even Khabib himself. Uh, so he did not actually manage to get a single takedown in this fight against his opponent. He went 0 for 1 on takedowns, but the thing is, he actually didn't try, right? He shot a sloppy single leg. He didn't actually commit to it. He didn't even try and turn in. Um, anybody who's grappling, wish Mad Max Meridian was in the chat tonight, because I know he'd be like, yeah, no, he didn't even try. Um, but that being said, guy didn't fucking try, folks. Uh, it, it, it was a setup, okay? And for anybody who's ever fallen in the past, if you do it right, my 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 guy, one of my favorite rappers, G. Watsky said this. The fall is now a setup just to get up, okay? The takedown was just a setup, okay? He had already fallen to Volkanovski in the past. And I don't mean he lost. I mean that he didn't dominate. He didn't get a finish as he has against so many other people before him. So this time, he had something to prove. I actually was having a conversation with Mystic Drew the night before the fights. And I literally told him, 
like we, he was like, Hey, how do you see it going? And I was asking him as he's going. And, um, we agreed actually for once in our fucking lives on Islam Makachev that we saw it actually being a TKO finish early on. I said it would be a TKO within the first three rounds. Um, I knew this was going to happen. I didn't know it'd be a head kick, but it was absolutely fucking masterful guys. Uh, the, the guy came out here and Islam, Again, he, he just he made it look absolutely masterful with everything he did. The way that he set this up was more impressive than the actual head kick itself. And a lot of people watching are like, oh, no, the head kick was sick. That, that was what was cool. That's fine. Enjoy what you enjoy. But I'm here to break it down for you. So why was he able to land a head kick when he has rudimentary meat and potato style striking on one of the most proficient strikers in the UFC currently? Well, I'll tell you why. Because he did everything right up until that very, very moment, right? So what did he do leading up to that moment? Well, I can tell you he landed three leg kicks in a row. So leg kick, one, two. Leg kick, two, three. Leg kick, one, two, three. Um, and some of those ones and twos and threes are going to the body as well, right? So he's landed leg kicks, okay? And... He went three for three on those leg kicks, by the way. Not one missed. Oh, and by the way, then he went 18 for 20 on body shots. Did you see those? Do you remember those? No, because it happened so fucking quick. He was mixing them into the onslaught. One, two, three. One, body two, three. One, two, body three, right? And every time he was doing that, he'd land a three-strike combo. The next one, he's adding a kick at the end, or he's starting with a kick. And... He'd mix in body kicks, too. So from my count, he landed three leg kicks, two body kicks, and the first time he went high was a head kick knockout. Oh, by the way, Volkanovski saw the leg coming. He telegraphed it on purpose just a half second before he actually threw it. He lifted the leg just to to give a tail. And you see Volk tense up and drop his hands to his body. And then he sees it coming high, raises his hands, but it's just too slow, son. Those hips are already firing like an eight-cylinder fucking engine. Pumped full of gasoline. Bam! And it was done, son. Came over the top of the guard. Hit him in the dome. And then as soon as it hit, you could see he was on wobbled legs. He dropped to the ground and he ate more shots. And the thing that I really liked that I thought was kind of odd but technical is a lot of times you see guys trying to go around people's guard and they get called for back-of-the-head shots, right? Um, Islam hit the back of the ear at worst and when he wasn't able to hit the like without going to the back of the head i noticed that he literally threw hammer fists to the top of volk's head just scrambling the eggs right like you crack the eggs into a bag and you're just shaking the bags up that was volk's brain at that moment pop 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 he's already hurt he's already wobbled just and every time he connect one you could see the the vulnerability just further setting into to volk's presence is being um sorry i feel like i'm just like going off the fucking cusp here on this man it was a it was really nice to see finally um i've been saying this about islam for years and he's a he's a better striker than people have ever or will ever give him credit for it's absolutely facts man no i i I could hear you talk about it all day man i love the enthusiasm love the passion it's been a long time coming man i mean like you said he's obviously been the champ but needs to be getting his flowers, needs to get his recognition, and nothing is more of an exclamation point than knocking out, unconscious, one of the greatest pound-for-pound fighters in today's era, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. 
um yeah like you said man i mean he did everything right he, I, I it was clear that was part of the game plan it was obviously set up in ripping the body going one two rip the body and then that third time around finally going upstairs and even though volk's hand was in the right place sometimes it's it's a margin of error we've seen gaichi do it on dustin poirier as well these things tend to happen man i mean and and when you're at this level and and you can throw that kind of leg with that kind of ver- ferocity behind it, I mean anybody's going to go out. And I give Oak all the you know all the credit in the world, but the reality is, if I'm being honest too, it just felt like he didn't look the, his best version. And he did kind of talk about the mental health side of things and being a bit more vulnerable. And just how he's been staying really busy. He just got out of surgery. He doesn't know what he's going to do after fighting. A lot of things are very worrisome. But I didn't think he looked as great as he's ever looked. And it's a, it's unfortunate, but it's kind of a reality, man. He I don't know if it was because of the surgery, but he just didn't have that same muscle density. And I also think Islam looked the best he's ever looked. I mean, that guy looked fantastic in there. Muscles. I mean, his strength is... is um, obviously how shredded he was, but even just how hydrated he looked on the actual fight night or morning, I guess, out there. Um, or for us, I should say, but night for them. Again, great performance by Islam. He deserves all the credit. And he he beat Volk, man. I mean, he sent the champ pack back down to featherweight division, sent him home packing. And um, now I think if you're Volk, you, you, you keep your eyes set on Ilya. And that featherweight division continuing to just, you know, add to your, uh, you know, to your resume. But now, I mean, man, I think what's next is you got to see Islam versus Justin Gaethje, right? I think, unfortunately, Charles loses your seat at the table. He got injured. He didn't handle it right. Justin Gaethje's ready. I think you switch it up a little bit and you throw him in there. That's how I feel. I'm going to come in here with a little bit of a, I mean, I don't know, a little little bit of smoke. Okay. Talk to me. And uh, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but the guy I'm about to talk about next actually retweeted my tweet about this. And I'm talking about Dustin Poirier, folks. So that being said, what I think should happen is I think Charlie Olives versus Islam Makachev is obviously inevitable. These guys need to fight each other again. Otherwise, the Charlie Olives fans are going to cry themselves to sleep every fucking night. And that's the way the news goes. Um, but we all know how it goes, right? Islam's going to destroy him again. That's what I think. That's my humble opinion. I think it's worse than the first fight. I think Islam makes him look bad. And uh, possibly Charles retires after that. But it's a fight that needs to happen. Charles won't retire till it does. I don't need to see him take unnecessary damage to get back to the title fight. Do you? I don't think so. Um, so what happens with Justin Gaethje? Well, I'll tell you. He's fought Dustin Poirier twice. Currently, they are one and one. Currently, they have fought once in Justin's home state and once at another state of neither of them earning benefit. Oh, wait, that's wrong. Justin Gaethje had a benefit from the last place they fought. They fought at elevation. So why not? Why not? I don't know. Give them a home field advantage for Justin Poirier since they're one and one. New Orleans hasn't had a fight card in quite some time for the UFC. They've been itching to put one on down there. So why don't we have UFC New Orleans at the Superdome? Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier headlining for the BMF belt with the implication that the winner gets to fight the winner 
of Charlie Alas versus Islam Makachev to unify the BMF belt with the lightweight belt. The first time in UFC history that the BMF belt would be unified with a actual world championship belt. Damn, I like that. I like that. That that makes sense. I gotta be honest. It can I can make sense of it, and if it makes dollars, then it makes sense. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro. I, ret- I I tweeted that, and uh, like two people retweeted it, and then when the third person retweeted, it, I was like, "Dude, three people retweeted this." I opened my Twitter and I saw that Dustin the Diamond Poirier was one of them. And I had to double check and make sure it was really him, and I was like, "Oh!" And then it Hold blew on up. Now. <laughs> Hold on now. That's pretty sweet. I didn't know that. I'm gonna go check it out. It made my made my whole day, bro. Um, Brother, yeah. let's go. It's fantastic. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Hey, he um, sees us. He sees us. Get on the pod, Dustin, if you're listening. <laughs> Come on, brother. <laughs> I'm telling you, we need to get him on the podcast, bro. But seriously, um, I, I personally think that that's the that's the fight to make, man. You let Dustin Poirier take the fight. Uh, against Justin Gaethje. Again, he's fought two times at a disadvantage, in my opinion. One, with home field advantage for, for Justin Gaethje. The other, like, Justin Gaethje trains in fucking Colorado at higher elevation than Salt Lake City, Utah. And the next fight, they fought at elevation in Utah. Let me tell you, having grown up in Louisiana, it's flat, okay? You can see the people four cities away because it's so fucking flat, okay? You can see, like, five miles from where you live. There are no mountains. Like the, the closest thing to a mountain we have is a very small hill and you can pretty much jump over that. Okay. So like it, it's not a mountain. Um, guys, I think this is a brilliant idea. I think this is a fight that as Nano very politely said, um, makes dollars and it makes sense. And if it makes dollars and it makes sense, you know, the UFC can get behind it. So let's fucking get behind it boys. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's it guys. Islam Makachev's next fight should definitely be Charlie Olives. I think it's a no brainer. Um, not only is it the easiest option, but I think it's the most viable option. Like, granted, Justin Gaethje versus Islam Makachev would be a lot of fun. I think Islam beats him the same exact way Khabib did. I think he eats one or two leg kicks, and he's like, eh, I don't want to do this. I can submit this guy. And he submits him. Yeah. It's more likely than not, I would say. Like, <laughs> I'd have to agree with The you. only other way I could see this going is if he doesn't be like, All right, I don't want to do these leg kicks anymore. I can submit you. Is he literally takes him down and just ground and pounds him into oblivion. Because Islam's ground and pound is fucking disturbingly good. Yeah. No, he's next it's level. underrated. He's, his strength is next level. Volk mentioned that last time, but I think he saw this time around. No, he's really strong. It's not yeah. a fugaze. This guy is and, next level. And to put it into perspective, you guys, like I know there's a lot of folks that would disagree with me on this when I say that Islam is the best striker out of Dagestan. And it's because you see people like Umer and, and stuff like that that can throw the spinning back wheel kicks. <laughs> Islam can do that, but he won't do that in a fight. He just he won't do anything pretty or cutesy or flashy. But let me tell you, Luke Rockhold, in my humble opinion, one of the most proficient strikers to come out of AK. I think that's fair to say. Um, Luke Rockhold has been on the record not once, but multiple times in interviews saying that of all the Dagestani guys that came and trained, there was one of them that gave him trouble on the feet, and it was Islam Makachev. There's fucking reasons for that. Because Luke likes to rely on his kicks. He likes to rely on going to the body and the legs early. If you're fighting someone or sparring someone that can do the same things as you, with a lower sense of gravity, faster, and liquor 
it's bad news bears. And that's probably what Islam was doing to him in the in the training. Hitting him to the legs, hitting him to the body before he could like basically beat him to the jump at his own game. It's demeaning to, to feel that happening. So again, guys, I, I feel like he's a very underrated striker, a very incredible grappler who's finally starting to get his flowers. And uh, I'm here for it, guys. I'm definitely here for it. Now, that being said, obviously, it's been one hell of a show, guys. UFC 294 was one for the books. But um, there's no fight card coming up this weekend. So <coughs> with that and the fact that, um, you know, I'm going to be out in Louisiana, we are not going to be doing two episodes this week, but we're going to jump right back on the two episodes a week grind next week. Um, I don't know what you're thinking. Like, what the hell? There's only, uh, you know, the one fight card next week. What are you guys going to do in the first episode? That's a great fucking question, but we'll probably figure it the fuck out. Um, <laughs> right, you either are, way, uh, we'll be going over something on Monday and we'll be going over um, UFC fight night Almeida versus Lewis on that following Wednesday. And uh, man, Lewis versus Jalton Almeida. That is a very weird, weird fight that I cannot wait to. To break down and then of course we've got nicholas dalby in the co-main event uh or as i like to call him the man who just murders brazilians but only in brazil uh going up against the brazilian but not in brazil so what will happen find out on next week's exciting episode of dragon ball z <laughs> <laughs> um no he is fighting gabriel bonfim um, one of one of them Bonfim boys. He's a dog. I think he's the better Bonfim brother I've said before. So Absolutely. We'll see how that one goes. Uh, and obviously before that, we got Dante Mays versus Rodrigo Nascimento Fajeda. I don't know how I'm going to bet on that fight, um, but you can bet your ass that I'm lying right now, and I do know how I'm going to bet on that fight. <laughs> we always pay Dante Mays here after uh, letting us down so many times. Uh, so, oh, dude. Fucking spoiler alert in the goddamn chat right now with uh, Eric. Eric, just spoiling the news here. I, I was jokingly saying that we didn't know what we were going to talk about next week, but cat's out of the bag, folks. We are going to be talking about none other than Francis Ngannou versus Tyson Fury. I'm Hell sure that one yeah. will be uh, enough to break down alone in its entirety. Oh, yeah. So we're going to be breaking down that as well as any other uh, kind of exciting events that take place this weekend in combat sports, which I know that there are more to come. So after that, we'll break down that next upcoming card. And uh, until then you guys, it's been one hell of a show and we appreciate the love, the support you guys showing out, showing up and saying what's up in the chat as well. Um, until the next episode, we'd appreciate if you are new here or old and returning, if you like comment, subscribe and like that bell for notifications. You know what I'm saying? Smash that bell for notifications, if you will. And if you're watching or listening just on the podcast only, make sure you like, rate, review, all the podcast stuff. And until the next time, keep that passion for mixed martial arts alive, folks. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. As you may have been able to tell, we dig the MMA, and our passion is to dive deep into the upcoming fights, give you our expert breakdowns, and help you make sense of all the chaos that is the fight game. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at MMAnomaly. 
be cool, and we'll see you next time.